real joy to see each one out tonight. Thank you for the effort. And I realize Monday is always a little more difficult than other nights. Uh, I found it a little difficult even getting up this morning, but I anticipated lots of good things today, and I was rewarded. You know, it's a blessing to be able to uh, be treated the way I get treated here. And, uh, uh, you know, I complain a lot. And uh, when I complain, people respond. They're very gracious. And I made my complaint that I hadn't had any good fish and chips since I've been here. And uh, today I was given a real feed of fish and chips. And I ate every crumble, every muscle, licking up the vinegar in the bottom of the container. Now, if that didn't make your mouth water, I don't know what would. But uh, I enjoyed myself. Made my mouth water anyway. <laughs> well, let's go do it again. <laughs> Once my life was like a dreary wilderness, with the shadows all around me day by day. When I sought the Lord for help in my distress, Jesus spoke in love, and shadows fled away, oh Jesus, wrought a miracle of love. Jesus wrought a miracle of love when he changed this heart of mine. By the power of grace divine, it was a miracle, a miracle of love. Jesus changed my life into a garden fair, and he dwells within my heart and gives me peace. Just to know I have his saving presence there keeps me singing of this miracle of grace. How amazing and what joy it is to know that this miracle of love will endless be. All the riches of his grace shall ever flow from the heart of God throughout eternity. Yes, Jesus wrought a miracle of love. Jesus wrought a miracle of love when he changed this heart mine, by the power of grace divine, it was a miracle, oh yes, a miracle of love. If you're saved here tonight, you're a walking, talking miracle of God's love. Nobody gets saved without a miraculous intervention of God in our lives. And uh, when we think about being saved and having... Uh, been convicted of our lost estate and our sinfulness of life, that uh, God would reach down and save a wretch like myself. What a miracle. You know, today I hear people say, well, I'd like to see some of the miracles of the New Testament. Well, so would I, but I have also seen some miracles of the New Testament in God bringing forth people out of the depths of sin and shame and unbelief and bringing them to a place where they trust him as Savior. That's a miracle every time. And so we are not left wanting about miracles today.
If you would take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 20, and again we'll look at some verses in 2 Chronicles and uh, see some of the comparative scriptures there of this passage, but I'd like to point our attention to something that I believe every one of us can benefit from tonight, whether believer or unbeliever, saved or unsaved, something that I think is becoming more vital the longer that I live. A couple of things have happened in my life that caused me to want to share this with those that I get to preach with. Now in 2 Kings chapter 20, it says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. It came to pass, uh, for Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again, tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee on the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee, and this out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Let's pray just for a moment. Father, as we look into thy word tonight, we know that without the aid and unction of thy blessed spirit, this meeting will be just another meeting. Lord, it's our desire to hear from thee tonight. And I pray that you would captivate and bring every thought of our understanding and our thoughts of our hearts and minds into the captivity of Christ here. And Lord, all of us would come away from this time of preaching and listening to the blessed Spirit of God speak to us within, profited, and we would be bettered in our walk with God, and uh, we would be drawn closer to that which one day we shall be like him. We'll thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. 1986, my mother died. Uh, she had been ill for a while. And uh, I got a chance to go and see her. I was on my way to some meetings. And uh, I met my wife and daughter and my mother and father at a restaurant in uh, the state of Pennsylvania as I was uh, headed off to meetings. It was the last time I saw my mother alive, and I've 
ended up over here in, in I was in Bendigo uh, preaching and uh, they awoken me at uh, 2 a.m. in the morning and said uh, your wife is on the phone I went in and they took the phone and my wife said your mother is within hours uh, of passing into eternity to be with the Lord and she said if you want to speak to her you better call so I uh, ran a call through and they put the phone up to mother's uh, ear and I said mother this is Glenn and uh, mother was a believer loved the Lord had prayed for me the black sheep of the family for many many years she had prayed for a preacher never expecting it to be me and uh, she said has anybody been saved yet and I said I'm not calling she said I'm asking you a question answer up has anybody been saved yet she said, I've been praying. I don't think it lightly that you go across the seas to preach the gospel without an expectation of people getting saved. And I said, I'm not here to get lectured, Mother. You've done that all my life. And had a nice little conversation with her. Lasted about three more minutes or less than that, and she hung up on me. Uh, she did say she loved me, and I was thankful. In that conversation that I had with my mother back in Pennsylvania uh, at a restaurant and uh, prior to that, we had uh, talked about the topic of her passing. And uh, she said something about, you know, she wasn't looking forward to it in the sense that she was going to uh, miss the grandchildren and all that kind of I said, hey, I said, you, you, you've been blessed. And she said, how so? I said, well, you've got some warning and some time uh, given you uh, by the doctors, at least if their prognosis is right, uh, to make certain that all is right as far as you know. And I said, I want to fight with you. I don't want to hold anything back and have a regret. And so I opened up my heart as Ben knew how and simply thanked her for uh, saving my, or not saving my, but praying for the salvation of my soul, and then uh, for having been invested in the ministry that God had called us to all those years before. And, uh, you know, she, uh, she was saying, and, and I said, is there anything you want to tell me? And so she told me a couple things about uh, having been disappointed early on in life with my life, and then how God had answered her prayer turned, turned me around, and she was ecstatic about that, and that she knew she'd see me in heaven. So, nice little chit-chat. And I said, so you're blessed. You can say that to both your other sons. She said, I don't need to. I, you know, you're the black sheep. <laughs> no, she, she was kind. Uh, she got to speak to uh, all of the children before she went to the Lord. She got to speak to her husband. She got to speak to several others that uh, came to see her. And uh, she was, uh, in many ways, blessed in that sense. Now, this past uh, gen uh, December, a uh, pastor friend of mine in Canada uh, went out to deliver papers at 4 a.m. in the morning. He had to uh, take a side job in order to supplement his income as a pastor of this little church in Andaganish, Nova Scotia. And uh, 
he'd been doing this now for about 18 months or so and uh, had shared with me how the Lord had used it so he could get up early in the morning, go out and work a couple of hours and then get on with the rest of his day and it was a blessing. And uh, as he was returning uh, this particular morning in December, two days before Christmas, uh, the road had some black ice on it. And an oncoming automobile skidded across the road and hit his car and killed him instantly. 56 years old and uh, a friend of mine for years up there in Canada. And I had an opportunity to speak with his widow on this last trip to Canada and see his uh, son that uh, uh, was still living at home, uh, Andrew. I got to see Andrew and uh, his uh, daughter uh, went to Bible school in Indiana. And the other two sons were grown and gone and married. Uh, but I got to see Andrew and I got to see the widow. And uh, I detected... Uh, the fact that uh, the thing that hurt them the most was uh, that they hadn't gotten to say anything to their dad or to their to her husband about his departure. And he hadn't gotten to say anything more than just a little peck on her forehead when he got out of bed in the morning and went out to deliver the papers. And I thought, you know, it's a two-edged sword, isn't it? Uh, we as believers, need to keep things uh, squared away. And this scripture came to mind. Uh, Hezekiah had been a good king. He had walked before the Lord. And you can read his life later for, for what we're interested in tonight. We'll just use his uh, prayer to the Lord where he said uh, to the Lord, uh, I beseech thee, Lord, I want you to remember how that I have walked before thee in truth with a perfect or mature heart and have done that which was good in thy sight. And then Hezekiah wept sore. So now Hezekiah, uh, as he lay sick, uh, and we know that it had something to do with a boil. You can read that on. and uh, We know that uh, there's an opportunity for, uh, you know, infection and septic things and all this kind of thing. Hezekiah is told by the man of God, you're going to die. You're not going to live. So do the wise thing. Set your house in order. Uh, what we have to ask ourselves here is if he prayed as he prayed, because this is the first thing that he does. He turns to the wall in privacy and he prays to God and then he weeps. The first two things he does in response to the prophet saying, set thy house in order. Uh, and he rehearses his life in these few words before the Lord. Uh, for, I believe, the reason of bolstering his faith at this time of crisis. Uh, if you will look just for a moment in uh, Second Chronicles, chapter 32, 
we find in verse 4, it says, In those days Hezekiah was sick unto death and prayed unto the Lord. And he spake unto him, but he gave him a sign. Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. For his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Notwithstanding, Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of God or the wrath of the Lord came not upon them in the days of Hezekiah. I would say the problem that Hezekiah had was though he had lived a good life and had been a good king, yet the great enemy of our relationship with the Lord is P-R-I-D-E. Lifted up his heart. He had great wealth. He had been blessed of God. And it's a danger for us uh, to allow these things to take root in our minds. We have nothing but God's wondrous grace, as I'm thankful they sang tonight, uh, to give any credit for anything that we are or have. It's God's grace, all God. But he lifted up his heart, and uh, he rendered not uh, prayer to God for the greatness of God in his life. So coming back now to Second uh, Kings, Hezekiah, you're going to die. Set your house in order. What was disorderly in his house or his life was the fact that he was, in some ways, out of touch and out of fellowship with God. Pride of life separates us in some degree from several things separates us in uh, the matter of fellowship with the Lord because we don't give him the preeminence in all things. We start to lift ourselves up. Could be anything. Doesn't have to be uh, something especially out here, but it could be something within. Uh, I haven't been such a bad fellow. I've done some good deeds. I've uh, accomplished quite a lot. and uh, maybe I've never been given the recognition, but I'm proud of it myself. Well, it's uh, something that all Christians have to deal with. Hezekiah set your house in order. And perhaps the pride in his life had caused him to maybe, just maybe, have some difficult relationships with loved ones. with uh, fellow people in his kingdom. Set your house in order. We could speculate on a lot of things here because we've seen the consequences of people who get proud and arrogant rather than knowing the word of God that God knoweth the proud afar off, but he giveth grace unto the humble. And humility is a a thing which, uh, about the time you think you got it and you're proud of it. (laughs) You you, you know, it's just, I'm the most humble guy at the church, man. I I just, you know, uh, they ought to give me an award. Humility. Humility makes me close to God or whatever. You know, I mean, it's crazy what the old nature can 
cause us, you know, who do they think they are anyway? I mean, I, I, you know, I'm down there to open up the church, and I'm down there to set up the church, and I'm down there trimming the fences, and I'm making this, trimming the hedges, and, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and, and nobody seems to give me much recognition about it except that a boy, and that go on your way. And pretty soon, I should get an award for being humble. <laughs> I know that's an extreme example. No one in this church would be like that. Maybe down in another church, that's another thing. We can point the finger down there. But uh, Hezekiah set your house, and now he's confessing that he's, you know, got a good testimony, but still, if it was all so wonderful, why would God have to send a prophet to tell him, set your house in order? He ought to be ready to die. A moment. That's uh, something I want us to think about. I I would hope that all of us would be absolutely ready right now tonight to die, knowing full well we're saved. To be absent from the body, pray the Lord. Paul said, it's a, a battle within me. He said, to die is gain, but it's more expedient for you that I stay. To live for Christ, to die is gain. Are you ready to die right now? I think that's a valid question. Um, Hezekiah's got to set his house in order. He wasn't ready. And it was evident by the fact that the first thing he did is beg God and plead with God to uh, maybe make uh, some sort of compromise here on, on this fact that he's about to die. So he makes a case for himself. Do I make a case for myself? Do I have to um, go to God and say, look, you know, I've, uh, I've been very sacrificial in my life. <coughs> and uh, I'd like a few more days, a few more months, a few more whatever. And, it, you know, I think a lot of that is just a natural tendency to Maybe want to see one more event. Uh, I remember when my wife got cancer, and uh, we were going through some pretty serious waters, and uh, uh, she said to me, you know, I'm, the one regret that I'm going to have if I die is I'm not going to get to see Victoria get married. And uh, she said, I'd like to see her finish school and get married. Well, God answered her prayer, and she got to see that, and that was a, it was a blessing for her. But, you know, we start thinking about some things which are very sentimental. And it's not unnatural. But here, Hezekiah's given an opportunity to set his house in order. And you and I are given opportunity to set our house in order every single day of our earthly walk. We ought to be ready to meet the Lord Knowing, as I said, we're saying, knowing that all known sin is confessed. That we're not harboring something in our life which is creating distress with the Spirit of God's working in our life. We're not grieving Him. We're not quenching uh, His work in our life. We're, we're open and transparent with the Lord. You know, uh, been absolutely honest with the Lord about. Uh, 
how maybe we've thought wrongly of someone or something or whatever. So we ought to be ready by having that taken care of, by having uh, a clean spiritual bill of health through confessing known sin. I think we ought to also be ready because we have uh, taken the responsibility to tell those that we love not only that we're saved, but we want them to be saved as well. We have deported our duty as believers to actively pursue the salvation of others who we know and love and are part of their life. Because maybe we're the only one in their life who knows the truth and having been set free by the truth, we, we can acknowledge what God has done for all mankind in putting Christ on the cross and we have deported ourselves in such a way that they have had a clear witness. A clear witness. So we're ready to die. We're ready to go to heaven. We're ready to meet the Lord in that sense uh, that we have about the Lord's business. Hezekiah is going to die. Christian friend, if Jesus tarries, you and I are going to die. And uh, we need to be ready. Now, I don't disbelieve that Kevin wasn't ready to die. I, I believe he was ready in the sense he knew his Lord and Savior. But I also know something about his relationship with one of his sons. And... Uh, I'm sure if he had an opportunity, he'd have gotten down on his knees and begged his son to get right with God before he was killed that December morning. I suppose all of us would have someone somewhere that we've been negligent with. I know I do. And I know that from time to time it niggles me that I haven't done enough, I haven't uh, been as forward as I should be, and I pray about it. Lord, give me another opportunity, please. Set your house in order. The responsibilities that God gives us should not be put on the shelf, but they should be actively engaged in our life as believers. We want to serve the Lord while we have the opportunity. Uh, no one knows what tomorrow is going to hold, whether it be death or sickness or uh, some sort of reversal that we're going to be unable to uh, bring about the service to the Lord that he would have us to do. Um, I know a man who is now restricted in a very great way from what he was once. He's in a wheelchair and his movements are now restricted. And uh, oftentimes he shared with me, if I could only have my legs back, I could get to some people that I can't get to now. Um, 
We need to serve God now, not tomorrow, not the next day. We need to be ready to go to be with the Lord at any moment by making certain that we are doing the will of God for our lives. That we're in the center of blessing. We're not out here on the peripheral somewhere with one foot in the world and, and uh, we're trying to put one foot in the, in the church. And No, we're, we need to be in the place where we're full on. And that we're living for Christ, a life that's true. And allowing Christ to uh, use us in the lives of those that we love and the acquaintances and all of that. We need to set our house in order every single day and say, is my life orderly before God? Or is it in chaos? Is it disorderly? Hezekiah is given a, an opportunity to live some more, but he did not render, as we saw in, or in Chronicles. He says, verse 25, chapter 32, Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him. Now he got 15 more years to live, but he did not render according to the benefit done unto him. His heart was lifted up, therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah, Jerusalem. We need to set our house in order so that we don't cause trouble in other people's lives. I reckon the most miserable person in the world is a Christian that's not where they ought to be. And misery loves company. And uh, we can uh, be effectively used in the destruction of someone else's testimony. I... Uh, was introduced to a gentleman years and years and years ago in Cairns. And uh, he had been delivered from alcoholism. He had been a drunkard for years. And uh, an alcoholic is always an alcoholic. Uh, but he had been wondrously saved and blessed and delivered. I know some of his family. He was a, a real good fella. I really enjoyed going to Went over one day to his house, and uh, he was not there. We didn't realize, but we stood at the bottom of the stairs. Their house was up on stilts, and this very mean, honorary woman came, and she said, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to throw hot water at you. And she had some. And uh, come to find out, in the early days of their marriage, she was a teetotaler. She did not drink. But she finally threw her hands in the air and said, well, I can't beat him. I'll join him. And she became just a terrible, terrible alcoholic, bitter, fermenting in her own bitterness, hateful because of his uh, behavior she joined in and of course the consequence was 
I don't believe she ever got saved. I believe she died without the. We we need to set our house in order that we're we're attentive to the way in which we live, that we don't advert affect the lives of those that we love and the lives of our neighbors. I mean, it is a a tremendous thing when a Christian has such a poor testimony in his neighborhood that nobody thinks he knows anything of goodness or righteousness. He's just honoring, mean-spirited, and, you know, just horrible. And he's adverse-affecting those of his neighborhood because of being able to tolerate ill behavior and ill manners in his life. Hezekiah set your house in order. And Christian friend, you and I, we need to keep our house in order with the Lord, in order with the word of God, in order with the admins of the Lord. We're to seek peace and we're to seek the salvation of other people. We're uh, do the very best we can submitting to God, asking God for help to make certain that if we die tonight, our house has been set in order. Because we just might. Hezekiah got 15 years addition. And what he did is he got arrogant and proud about the fact that he was wealthy. And so when the visitors from Babylon came, you can read this letter. He did a very arrogant and, I won't use that word, but dumb thing. Stupid as well. He showed him everything. All his wealth, all the wealth in the town, all the wealth in the palace. He showed him the whole lot. Strangers. He thought it was going to impress him. He thought, well, you know, I've done so well, I'm just opening up the doors and I'm going to impress the whole lot of them. They'll just think I'm a wonderful fella. And what happened? It was the bait. for the invasion to come. Hezekiah, given an opportunity, blew it. And uh, sadly enough, believers oftentimes blow their testimony because they don't render the benefit that God has given them. What great benefit you and I have been given. You and I have been benefited daily. He daily loadeth us with his benefits. And we fail to render the thanksgiving, perhaps, and we just get this idea that I deserve that. And uh, pretty soon that attitude spills over into other lives, and we've defiled them, spoiled them for God. Hezekiah failed to render unto the Lord thanksgiving for the benefit that he was given. He brought down the wrath of God on his entire people. What about you and I tonight? 
you and I have been given the warning to point it unto men once to die and after this the judgment. We haven't been given the exact time or whatever and maybe tomorrow you might end up going to the doctor and he says you got the weirdest most wonderful case of leukemia I've ever seen and I've googled the world and can't find any cure and you're going to die well how much time doc well maybe I don't have any knowledge of that this is very strange and wonderful disease that we've not seen before but maybe it could take you quickly maybe it take you over a period of time but not knowing the best reaction would be to say I need to set my house in order as a matter of fact, some docs say that when they have to come with bad news. Sit down, look the person in the eye and, and say, we don't have good news. You better go home and set your house in order. Make it the arrangements. Now, let me take two more minutes and I'm done. I've counseled a lot of people about some things when it comes to the end of life. I think you ought to have your testimony recorded somehow so that it can be read over your carcass by the preacher that you have preached your funeral. I think it's a good idea <clears throat> to have it in your own words. I think it's a good idea to have your funeral service at least a skeleton outline of what you want. Not what some church says is going to be done, but what you want done. Not what maybe some unsaved relatives are going to want to do. They're going to want to cut the preacher down to size and say, you got five minutes, preacher. We're, 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 no, you, you put down what you want. Verses of scripture, songs you want sung. Then is an absolute shame. That people who name the name of Jesus Christ will live and die without ever considering what they might leave to the Lord's work. A legacy. And I, I think it's important that we pray about these things and we say, Lord, if I'm going to die before Jesus comes, I'd like it in my will and testimony to be here and I want this done and I want a record left for people to know I love Jesus Christ so much that I want to advance his kingdom and his cause through leaving something financial so that people have a knowledge that I didn't just gather and gather and gather and leave it behind for the state government to get it in probate or for children to fight over it. I'm not saying leave everything. I'm saying leave something as a testimony of your love for the Lord. It's important. Now, I know this is ending on a kind of a low note here, but we're all going to die if Jesus tarries. Some of us are going to die sooner than others. Some of us are going to live longer than we ever dreamed possible. And some of us are going to live maybe just a short time and we're going to be in the Father's presence, in the Lord's presence. So, 
take a word of admonition. Hezekiah made the wrong, lifted up his heart. We need to lift up the Lord Jesus, not our heart, but lift up the Lord Jesus in our life and all that we do, for he desireth the preeminence. Father, thank you for this hour tonight, just a few serious things, and uh, Lord, they are truths from your word, and I pray that all of us would uh, take some time before we lay our head to rest tonight just to think through if there's anything between us and thee, if anything between ourselves and our spouse, if there's anything between us and our children or with our parents or with uh, close associates or uh, people in the church, whatever, Lord, help us to make certain we've set our house in order rather than to add to the disorderly behavior of our life by lifting up our heart. So have your will and way. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to